and welcome to the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts, Paul Samuda and Amanda Woodward. With 45 years of combined experience in the world of property buying, selling, investing and developing, they are here to share with you their knowledge in the Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle-under-Lyme and Crew property market. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 24 of the Essential Property Podcast, where we talk about all things property related in Stoke, Newcastle, Underline and Crewe. And today I have the pleasure of having Craig Adams from Signature Financial Services with us. And Craig is a sales director of a financial services company based in Staffordshire, who I have the pleasure of speaking to all things financial, mortgages, bridging and everything else along the way that an investor needs when buying property in the area. So I'm going to pass you over to Craig for an intro about who he is and the company. And then we're going to work through where we stand in terms of the current market with regards to mortgages and finance and work through a whole bunch of other questions along the way. So welcome to the podcast, Craig. Hello, hello, Amanda. Uh, yeah, so as Amanda says, I'm Craig, one of the directors here at Signature Financial Services. We are a mortgage brokers. But we're probably not a traditional mortgage broker. So we like to say if there's a property, then we can finance it in some way, shape or form. So that means we can do, you know, we can do your standard residential mortgages, but we do a lot of specialist buy-to-let business, HMO business, your limited company. We have lots of portfolio landlords. So yeah, if it's property related, we can fund it. Signature Financial Services was founded in 2009 by the managing director, Dean Burks. Uh, I joined the company in 2017 and climbed up the ranks. And uh, like I say, now we, now we sort of run the business together good stuff and I remember meeting Dean really really early on when I first started investing in Stoke at one of the pin meetings and he was there talking about the company and so one of the company has grown dramatically over the last few years it's been wonderful to watch and I know you guys do some great great stuff for investors so I mean the market is ever-changing and there's obviously a lot happening at the moment economically as well so it would be really good if you could give our listeners sort of a snapshot as to where we stand today in terms of sort of the, the mortgage slash financial market. Okay so I mean today is the, is the Bank of England monetary policy meeting of course uh, and it's widely expected that interest rates are going to go up again uh, by a quarter of a percent so the Bank of England base rate will probably rise to one percent which is the highest it's been for a good while and, you know, it's consistently rising. Now, for what we do, it means, you know, people are fixing the mortgages for longer. People are worried about interest rates going up. Inflation's at 7%, which is why the base rate is, is going up month after month because they're trying to sort of bring that down. I mean, this is sort of all doom and gloom, but uh, there, there is probably some some good news as well. So your residential mortgages, the residential lenders are quick to sort of react to interest rate rises. So their margins aren't as high. They try and keep the rates as low as possible. It's very competitive. Big banks and building societies competing for residential business. Personal name buy-to-lets does tend to follow the same pattern, but your specialist buy-to-lets, your HMO buy-to-lets, your limited company buy-to-lets, you know, the lenders like sort of Precise, Account Reliance, Paragon, et cetera, because their rates have been historically so much higher anyway, we're kind of seeing that gap close rather than, you know, you're coming to me for your HMO mortgage and me going, well, since last time, the, the base rate's gone up by 0.9. I'm actually seeing that they aren't rising as fast as, as normal mortgages, if that makes sense. So we've had a free call. By the end of today, we will have rose from 0.1 
to 1%, and specialist mortgages haven't rose by 0.9%. So a little bit of good news. From our perspective, from a business perspective, we're encouraging all our clients to make sure they're reviewing the mortgages, make sure they're fixing the mortgages. And I think it's widely expected that interest rates are going to continue to rise slowly. No one knows for sure. It's a you know a crystal ball. I, I believe, and this is just a, an opinion, I think they'll they'll sort of we'll have two uh, two or three interest rate rises per year now moving forward. So it's, it's more important than ever that you're reviewing your mortgage reviewing your portfolio and trying to sort of make savings where you can yeah i i would agree and there is a lot of talk about perhaps ending the new year around about the two percent mark interest rate wise and we're reviewing our portfolio and we've got a bunch of product changes going through and even some switch of lenders as well to try to you know plan as best we can for the next few years going going forward i'd like to talk a little bit about green mortgages yeah. Something that I don't know a huge deal about, but I know that uh, more and more uh, people are taking advantage of, of those that are applicable for it. So I thought we could just expand on that a little bit with our listeners and, and just explain you know, what they are, the benefits to investors, and if they're particularly popular and are going to be with us to stay for a while. Yeah, this is a massive change in the market. I guess it's the equivalent of the electric car in the housing market. So a green mortgage isn't as complicated as it sounds at the moment. It's EPC rating, so your energy performance certificate between A and C. Now, what lots of lenders are doing is giving better products for those properties. They're actually chasing that business. So, you know, you'll get a better rate for buying a new build than you will for buying an older house at the moment. And the buy-to-let lenders are, are going the same way. We are seeing a few lenders that are dipping the toe, and this is very early stage, in sort of green further advances. I think this will be a big thing in the market over the next few years, a big thing for brokers, a big thing for landlords. We're probably all aware, if you're a landlord, of the the EPC changes that the government want to implement by 2025. So if you're not there, what that means is the government wants all newly tenanted properties to be EPC rated between A and C by 2025, existing tenancies by 2028. I'm digressing a little bit, so I do apologise, but I don't think that's possible, to be honest. I think there'll be something that comes in place, which is perhaps, you know, a D plus or something. I think the government will have to rethink that. There's, you know, I pulled up a stat, 36% of houses from the UK were built before 1940. And certainly, you know, a lot of Victorian houses and stuff like that. I don't see how you can ever get them to a C. So I think the, the government will do something but I think they'll concede on that a little bit. As it stands though, because we are talking about green mortgages, if your property is an F, it's unmortgageable. So if the government sticked to that, if your property was a D, it would be unmortgageable. So it is something we've got to think about. Like I say, personal opinion, I think they'll they'll do some sort of hybrid and, and they'll make you do something. Now, the further advance with lenders will be to raise money at a competitive rate to to do these work. So I imagine they'll want invoices and things like that. So you can go back to your current lender and say, look, I'm going to make my property between A and C, but I need 15,000 to do it, to change the boiler, to change the windows, et cetera. Can we raise the money? And, and I think we're starting to see that coming to the market. And, and as I say, from, from my perspective as a broker, be massive in the coming years. We can't ignore green mortgages and we can't ignore the energy efficiency that, that the government are going to put in place. I'm just not sure it's going to be as strict as, as they want. I'm not, you know, I don't think the targets are achievable, but I think there'll be something. Was that too much? <laughs> brilliant. That's brilliant. I, I, I had no idea about the further advance. That's really good for our listeners, which naturally some landlords are going to have to take advantage of, you know, to be able to do that. I mean, we've got some properties, they've got, you know, new combi boilers, central heating, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm pretty sure they're still like around about a D. So we need to definitely have a look and see, you know, what are those requirements to push them up to the C. What sort of reduction in interest rates 
Or you know, what is the term? How more beneficial are the terms? Yeah, it's 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 not amazing yet, to be honest with you, Amanda. But I guess it's relatively new. So uh, some lenders are you know sort of no two percent cheaper so you know in, in terms of great if, if you if your property is already a to c you've got a saving but in terms of spending ten thousand to make it a c to get a 0.02 percent saving there's not much of a much of an incentive there is that uh, yet but i think that'll that'll continue to grow residential lenders sort of offering cash back and things like that for green mortgages because you know the banks like to be ethical don't they you know <laughs> uh, so they, sometimes well yeah <laughs> i did say i did say that way <laughs> smile myself but yeah so so they will be looking into this more they'll, they'll be over it to, to, to show that they can uh, you know work with the government on this i think there's opportunities for all of us though with this so some landlords will go i've had enough of this just like the tax changes like you know some landlords will be like enough's enough and they'll be selling off stock so you know there's opportunities to perhaps buy portfolios behind properties below market value you know, bridging finance, you can use bridging finance to increase the EPC if necessary if these properties aren't mortgageable. Uh, so yeah, there's opportunities for us in this industry. There's opportunities for letting agents to be educating their, their landlords as well, and opportunities for uh, landlords to, to hopefully get some cheaper properties because there will be a percentage of landlords will be like enough, enough, you know, just like when the tax changes came into play. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what the future holds with regards to that. And you mentioned about bridging. And I don't know how many of our listeners are using bridging for their property purchases or, or know about how it works. I know many, many years ago, bridging was a little bit of a dirty word. Mm-hmm. It's just associated with extortionate sort of fees. And it was hard, you know, to make the deal work with bridging. But I know that's changed a lot. So perhaps you can give us a bit of a summary in terms of sort of the products that are on the market with regards to bridging finance. Yeah, of course I can. So with bridging finance, you're right. It's still, it's you know, it's still expensive, but it's short term finance, you know. And I'll often say, I know it sounds a bit salesy. I'll often say to a client, well, you pay for a taxi to get somewhere quicker, don't you? So Bridging finance, you're probably looking at sort of interest rates. They've always quoted monthly between 0.5% up to 1%, depending on the deal per month. So you're factoring, you're factoring that in. On average, a sort of a 75% light refurb bridge will be about 0.7 a month. You have your arrangement fee. It is quoted monthly, not just so it sounds nicer, uh, because ultimately, you know, if you're only on the bridge for four months, you don't pay any more interest. Uh, we generally set clients up on like a 12-month bridge uh, just to give them, you know, if they're flipping a property or refinancing just to give them enough time but it works slightly different to a mortgage so normally there are options to service it monthly but in most cases the majority of bridges we do client will apply for a bridging loan the lender will take the two percent arrangement fee and 12 monthly payments off the loan so your 75 percent loan to value bridge really means you need a 30 to 35 percent deposit but it's all costed out you know so if your numbers work then bridging finance is a brilliant solution. And I have lots of clients who build portfolios very quickly using bridging finance. And if you, you know, if I have a client that says, oh, I'm going to bridge this, you know, and I'll work out the finance costs for them and the, pro- the project doesn't work, I'll say, Amanda, I don't I don't think that quite works. I don't think you've got your numbers right. And you might go, no, a half, a half, you know, Craig, sod off. Uh, <laughs> but ultimately, you know, we're trying to look at it holistically for clients and saying like, you know, how can you get out of this bridge? Are you refinancing? Because we don't want anyone to be stuck on a bridge. But yeah, it's a it's a really good solution, bridging is. There's a few sort of bridge to let products, a few bridge refurb products as well, where you can sort of get higher loans to values and stuff like that. So there's a few bits and pieces flying off the shelf at the moment with bridging, to be honest, Amanda. 
Good, good, good. So anyone who's out there listening at the minute that's thinking about doing a project that's unmortgageable, could be EPC related, could just be that there's, you know, no kitchen, no bathroom, it's just a shell of a property, um, then ultimately they can look at we've used, uh, the bridge to let type products, which we've used in the past, to then sort of move on to a more typical product. So that sounds good. Okay, you guys are based in Staffordshire. Last time I came to see Dean, you were in Newcastle under Lyme. I've got a feeling you've moved offices since. Is that right? Or are you still there? No, we, we've moved. Uh, I mean, as you said, sort of at the start of it, uh, as you said in the intro, we've uh, we've grown an awful lot. Uh, so we've, we've had to find somewhere a bit bigger. So we're not too far away, but we're up the road. We're actually, uh, we're on Lymedale Business Park, which is actually classed as Chesterton. So it's still kind of Newcastle under Lyme. We're about two miles away from where we were before. Okay, good stuff. So in terms of your client base so do you work with mainly local investors do you work with people nationwide what's your kind of client base like i'd say probably probably 50 50 now we have a much further reach than, than we ever had and i think covid has changed that for, for, for everybody to be honest so yeah we still probably we still love to be classed as a local firm uh, and we still look after our, our local people and stuff like that but yeah the other sort of 50 percent of the clients are we've got are, are all over and you know we don't we don't do as many face-to-face appointments as, as we used to for sure you know things like what what we're doing now talking and podcasts and zoom and stuff like that and covid changed all that so yeah we're doing clients all over quite a few clients in Derbyshire quite a few uh, London clients I know some of the team are doing uh, Durham and stuff like that so yeah yeah it doesn't matter as much anymore you haven't got to come see someone anymore have you You know you can zoom and stuff like that. and even if some people go well I prefer face-to-face advice most people are still happy with like a zoom as a as a face-to-face advice aren't they nowadays they are indeed and then just in terms of network we work with a lot of international investors and the international appetite for investing in Stoke and Crew has also grown dramatically over the last few years where investors are you know chasing yield effectively and they can't get that in London and they're looking further afield and Stoke has always been a good patch for international investors um, who largely buy cash and who largely keep their assets unmortgaged uh, mortgage free because mortgage rates have been so incredibly high sort of seven or eight percent for them I know it's not your core area of focus but in terms of any international investors that are listening is there anything that's making it a little bit easier for them to raise finance now in the UK and what type of rates so we're doing a lot of joint venture limited companies to be honest for international investors so and it doesn't work for everyone I, I know it doesn't but if we have a limited company buy to let and the international investor is 19 percent, so in other words below 20 percent then they aren't assessed on the application. They can add deposit, they can add their value of whatever they're doing with with any other joint venture. And yes, some lenders uh, don't do it, but it opens up the specialist buy to let market for them. So your rates are between three and 4% instead of sort of six and 7%. So that's how we're doing international investors limited company buy to let with joint venturing with sort of someone from the UK. Now, I know that's not always possible. I get that. Uh, so the, the the sort of full international investor, if you like, are still paying a premium, to be honest. So lenders are concerned and solicitors are concerned. It's always, it's, it's, it's money laundering ultimately. And I'm not suggesting for a second that anyone you work with is even trying that, but that's that's the concern, you know, it's sort of, that's why it's, why it's a premium. And that's why HSBC aren't doing it. And, you know, it's much more difficult than, than your UK national. Yeah, 
we've got some investors that we work with on a JV basis. And that is the huge benefit is the ability to raise finance. And I think we are lucky as investors in the UK that we do have the ability to raise, you know, enormous amounts of finance yeah, yeah. from local banks at what is still pretty low interest rates. You know, three and four percent, it's still pretty low. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we definitely have to be grateful for that. In terms of new products, I know the market is changing all the time for UK-based investors who are operating in the property investment space. Anything new that we can share with the listeners that's worth hearing about on new products or new terms? Yes, there's, there's quite a few new products, quite a few new products for investors. We mentioned green mortgages, which is which is coming for everybody. There, as I say, it's not sort of rushed to the banks. So they're not quite there yet, but that's that's going to be big. We've talked, we touched on earlier about sort of the, the bridge to let. Now, the bridge to let has been around for quite a while, but uh, it sort of was was pulled during COVID uh, and now it's back again. It's back to where it was. The, the loan to values are restricted. So some of you may know about it, but the Bridge to Let product is it's a cracking product. So it's a six-month bridge with a mortgage offer day one. So 75% loan to value bridge. You can actually exit at 80% if you want. But how that works is you send, and it's precise, precise mortgages that do that, who are pretty competitive for limited company mortgages. So it works well. It's for your, it's for your life, refurb, your kitchen, your bathroom, your liquor paint, you know, nothing, no extensions or anything. But you go in, you buy the property, you buy it below market value, you, you produce a schedule of works. I'm going to do this, this, and this. This is why it'll increase the value. The value goes out day one uh, and says, yeah, you're pitching it for 100000 that's fine yes it'll be worth 150 that's fine so you get your bridge terms and your mortgage offer day one and that gives clients a lot of comfort to know that their exit's already in place there's a re-inspection so the value just goes back out and says yeah you've done what you said and then that's it so you, you sort of pay the bridge off with the same lender and that's a quick way of, of sort of buying a property doing it up and getting your money back out straight away so lots of people like that they like that sure book have what's called a refurb bridge and Shorebrook are doing you have to be an experienced you have to have properties in the background basically with Shorebrook they're doing an 85% loan to value bridge if you want to do a refurb so again that works on the basis of you buy a property and you have an extra 10% for refurb so you buy a property you produce a schedule of works and they'll just give you 85% day one that one's absolutely fine because it means here's your money crack on with it they don't check what you're doing with the money and you can exit with anyone so it's just giving you real it's just giving you higher loans of value on your on your initial bridge the rate on that is 0.85 per month though so slightly higher than a 75 percent bridge but people are all over that one at the moment and then your portfolio lens lens as well so i don't know if any of you sort of have portfolio lens or if you do individual mortgages across your portfolio and stuff like that, I know there's a combination of, of what people do at my clients, but Aldermore have a multi-product. So if you're doing quite a few properties at the same time or remortgaging, or if you're going for six properties on one day for your sort of multiple dwelling relief and stuff like that, I know, I know lots of clients do that, then they have one loan across however many properties you want, but with three legals, so, you know, if you've got 10 properties, that's massive, isn't it? Free valuation, massive. And, and yeah, uh, you, can, you can actually do that in personal name or limited company, to be honest. But you're just having one loan across the whole lot. The rates are comp- competitive. Uh, and obviously with the, with the free valuation and free legals, that one's working really well at the moment. Portfolio landlords too. That's great. I mean, and is that them just trying to win sort of bulk business effectively? They want to win the, the six properties, yeah. you know? I mean, why wouldn't you really? I mean, let's be honest there. You, you guys and your, the people you work with and the people I work with are brilliant 
brilliant customers for them, aren't they? You know, the good tenants pay mortgages, good established portfolios. So I think it's it's really, really clever from them to go, let's pinch some really good portfolio landlords. So yeah, I think they're just aggressively, aggressively targeting successful landlords. Yeah, no, that's great. And that's and that, that's great detail there, Craig, because the market is moving, you know, really quickly. And so to be able to keep our listeners up to date with some of those products, I really appreciate that. So thank you for that. No, you're welcome. Just in closing of our episode today, do you have any examples? I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. But do you have any examples of clients that you've been working with that have been actually been doing projects locally that you could share in terms of how you've helped them on the finance side? Yeah, so I mean, again, so looking at so Newcastle under line, I've got a client that's uh, been doing sort of many HMOs, doing four bed HMOs close to uh, well Newcastle and it's Suffolk. For those of you that don't know, it's quite close to uh, Keele University. So lots of students. You've got Newcastle College and stuff like that as well. So yeah, it's in an area that's sort of between the college. It's very close to the college actually, but between the college and close to the university and yeah so i've got a client that's just he's bought three houses in the same street now and it's just been so successful for him i can give you the numbers as well so we're taking two bed terraced houses we are i don't get my hands dirty sorry that's uh, me me claiming to but yeah he's taking two bed terraced houses turning them into four bed hmos so purchase price is around one hundred twenty-five thousand. His refurb cost is around 25k. This is varied between all three of them, actually. So I'm giving you the average. And then the refinance, we've just done one of the three refinances, two to go. So we refinanced that at uh, 180,000. And we did that at 75%. We could have done 80%. So he was getting 135k back on that, which means obviously he's got his initial money back plus a little bit of the refurb. So he's leaving a little bit of money in the deal. Uh, I get that. Some of you might go, like, oh, that's not quite enough for me. But I think. Personally, I'd you know I quite like the thought of that. If I could get a fully refurbed, let out house and just leave sort of ten percent in the deal, I'd be happy. The ones where you get all your money back out and make money tend to be few and far between, don't they? These days, I don't know if you're finding that, Amanda. Yeah, that was that was sort of our model probably ten years ago. Mm-hmm. We'd buy something at you know probably forty or fifty thousand and spend ten and it get valued at eighty or ninety. But those days, unfortunately, have passed. But no, those those numbers sound great. Twenty twenty five in, and I'm assuming some great cash flow. Yeah, yeah. So they they are. I think it's I think it's five hundred pound per room. Uh, so I'd say, but it's it's we we still got two two on the desk at the moment. That well, the bridges have completely series refurbished, and we've just refinanced one. As I said, I do quite a lot in in Derby as well. So you've got so th- those valuations are bricks and mortar valuation because it's a four bed HMO. But there are a few lenders now that so. HMO wise, from my point, and we ha- I, I never get through a podcast or a video without talking about valuations. You can't not, can you? <laughs> if there was a chat box, someone would go, Can we have a commercial valuation? I'm, I'm sure they would, Amanda. But yeah, so we've got a few lenders doing sort of hybrid valuations on five and six bed HMOs. So four beds and below, bricks and mortar. Five and six, then you've got sort of your commercial hybrid valuation, seven bed plus commercial valuation. So one in Derby, there was a client purchase for 148,000 and it was a five bed. And we worked on the, the hybrid valuation of that. His refurb was 36,000 and we refinanced that at 250,000 based on rental income, you know. So that's working quite well. Some of these hybrid valuations are to sort of, understand what that means is is the value almost the value almost has quite a lot of say on them so Sherbrooke do them and Lambay have started doing them so the value will go out it's a well-established HMO it's in an article four area yes I'll give it a commercial ball or they'll go "Mm, 
Yeah, sort of, sort of commercial. Well, not ten percent off. And it, it's kind of you know, so it's managing clients' expectations, but they have gone well and they have been higher than bricks and mortar. What the lenders looking at, and it does kind of make sense. If you've got a five bed HMO with one bathroom, that's still a house, isn't it? So to to ask for commercial valuation on something that if they had to had to take it, then you know that that's difficult, isn't it? Because bigger than a site is a house. If it's a five six bed HMO, all unsuited. Your fire doors, all that sort of thing, you know, and it's, it's it's a HMO. If they had to repossess that, they could sell it as a HMO, couldn't they? So that's that's where you know that's their sort of theory behind it. So yeah, so that was one in Derby that went really well, and I'm just doing one a really big deal with 14 flats on on one title, and he's actually mortgaging that. He's mortgaging it for two years because there's, there's tenants, uh, there's, there's ten tenants in, uh, four not, and he's going to sort of refurb it on a on a rolling basis and move one tenant for to another flat and stuff like that if the tenants are happy to do it so he's open in two years time that it's worth a lot more and we'll refinance it that's good stuff so i've got two questions on the back of that and like you say we can never have a discussion about talking about hmos i think most people are under the impression that yes we get the small hmos are bricks and mortar the five and six bedroom market is subjective to the valuers comments and we've had both full commercial valuations on five bed licensed properties and we've had you know I can't mention any names here or any valuation agencies, but I think you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. One particular gentleman in Stoke on Trent who values every HMO at zero. Um, (laughs) There's a real um, mix, which is fine. I think what's hard for the investor is how can we plan for that in advance? When we say, hi, Craig, I've got this great fiber HMO in Stoke, fully licensed. I want to take some lending on it, but I'm looking for that sort of slightly bumper valuation, not ridiculous because we don't want to overborrow, but I do want to get that you know, yield-based valuation. And you say, okay, we've got these lenders that we're open to. How can we start to pinpoint them? I think this one will give it. I think this one won't if it's down to the valuer. Do you have that sort of intelligence in advance? No, I mean, I really don't. And you know what, what valuers are like and, and there can be no pattern to them. But, you know, I'm not going to sit on the fence entirely. So based on sort of past applications and past information, I, I always sort of say, well, what I said earlier, so, you know, established HMO licensed, you know, in an Article 4 area as well as better because, you know, in an Article 4 area is better. That will most likely get a HMO valuation, sorry, a commercial valuation without any issues. If it's, so clients go, from bridge to five bed HMO, they've got a license, fine. They've got no tenants in because they want to refinance it so quickly to get off the bridge. That's not going to get a commercial valuation because, you know, it's a newly established HMO and it's very difficult, even from a values perspective. I'll, I'll stick up for them, not very often. Uh, but at, at that point, it's difficult for them to, to know, isn't it? So that's harder than your established HMO. And as I said, if you think of the property itself, some clients will go, well, I've got a four-bed HMO, can I have a commercial bar? No. Uh, yeah, you know, if you've got all your en-suites, if it's a commercial property, i.e. a HMO, proper established en-suited HMO and stuff like that, you've got more chance of getting a commercial bar than if it's a house share. Yeah. In terms of numbers, which I think is probably what you're asking me, I would say I always tell clients to, to sort of work around about eight and a half times gross rent. So regardless of, of yields, work around about sort of eight, eight and a half times. We tend to put them in at 10 times gross rent and then see what happens. But on average, and I've heard, you know, and obviously no doubt you have as well, lots of people who go on the property courses and stuff and they'll say you can get 12 times gross rent. And that, I've never seen it, never seen 12 times gross rent. I have seen sort of 10, nine and stuff, but yeah, I'd tend to, I'd tend to say be conservative, but eight and a half times gross rent could, you know, be massive printed as well. It is. And we always have to be careful in terms of, 
over borrowing because obviously the more we borrow the, the lower the cash flow on the property so it's just finding that nice balance but to know that you can have the ability to raise a little bit more finance does allow you to then bring the property a higher spec and produce a better product for the market so so that's all good so that's my first question my second question is you mentioned about a gentleman who's got 14 flats on one title if somebody is doing a flat development either converting it themselves or buying something existing I know the products uh, vary dependent on size of the development, but what yep. sort of products are out there for, for flats? So uh, as in multi-unit freeholds, Amanda, yeah. you know, there's loads now, you know, so multi-unit freeholds up to up to 10, you can have specialist buy to let on, on that without, without any issues and even 20, 20 bed HMOs now. So yeah, so you're looking at your limited company rates, nothing scary. You'll, you'll probably pay a quarter of a percent more than a normal single limited company buy to let. So the HMO multi-unit sit in the same place in terms of products with lenders this that one that particular one is a bit too big for your specialist buyer to let so up to 10 multi-unit freeholds away you go and you're going to pay as we talked sort of if you're doing a five-year fix which we're doing a lot of at the moment probably about 3.8 percent something like that your valuation is always going to be more expensive but that one has gone with interbay and their rate's not horrible you know so we're doing 80 percent loan to value interest only i think it's 4.29 on a, on a two-year fixed so even, you know, you enter there, you sure book uh, those sort of commercial lenders there are getting a bit more competitive as well to compete with the, the, the specialist buy to let market, which is almost expanding a little bit, if you know what I mean, and getting a bit more specialist, if that makes sense. And, and here's a question that you might not have the answer for, but when you do have a multi-unit freehold and it comes along to valuation day, let's say you're revaluing those 14 units or the valuer who's valuing them for this type of lending, any feedback there in terms of calculations? You know, is it what the equivalent of a flat is worth times 14 or because it's not individual leases, it's a different value? Any feedback there? Yeah, uh, I, I'll, again, so uh, I always sort of try and simplify it a little bit. I would not 10% off in my calculations if I was looking at comparables. Once again, no no real pattern from, from valuers. For example, this was uh, this purchase was was a million pound. Uh, it's in St. Barbie. The valuer valued it at 980,000. I, I don't know. <laughs> it still works, still work for the client, like it seems okay. Like, you know. Uh, so yeah, I always say if, if you look at your if you look at your comparables, so if you've got five flats uh, worth hundred thousand each, you've got five hundred thousand. If they are singularly sold flats, if it's a multi-unit free old, probably probably say sort of four fifty, that that ten percent difference. And, you know, that sometimes means clients will go, well, I'll split them all off. But if you're thinking, you know, separate utilities, most most multi-unit fields have separate utilities anyway. But if you have got to get the utilities drawn up, then you've got to get a separate management company for your lease solid. You've got to get the legals drawn up and stuff like that. It's not always worth it. I love multi-unit fields. It's one, one of my favorite things in, in terms of property investments. But yeah, some clients are adamant that they want to split their split the flats. And still, a multi-unit freehold, sorry, multi-unit that's been split into, into five leasehold flats isn't quite as nice as one leasehold flat, is it? So people can still be disappointed once they've split them in terms of valuation. Good stuff. Look, Craig, this has been great. I've learned a lot myself. I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot as well. So thank you for taking the time to come on to the episode. No problem. Sorry if I've, if I've rambled on too much. I do get quite, quite passionate about it sometimes. <laughs> Not at all, not at all, not at all. So I'd like to think that perhaps in a few months' time, as the market starts to change, we'll get you back on again if there's been any significant changes. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll see what the result of the MPC is today. By the time this episode comes out, we'll already know the result. But I think we both know where where things are going and the the race to curb inflation effectively. Bank of England are going to do whatever they need to do. Yeah. But again, thanks again. And we look forward to speaking with you again soon. No problem. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Amanda. 
you enjoyed today's episode and if so, please hit subscribe and share with those who you think would enjoy it too. To get in touch with Paul and Amanda directly, please visit their website www.essentialpropertyoptions.co.uk for more information. We look forward to sharing with you on the next episode.